Welcome to the U.S. Fire Journal Podcast. We offer views and opinions on the fire service around the world with no topic too tough to handle. Visit us at usfirejournal.com for all your fire service information. Now, here's your host, Jay. Good morning and welcome into the podcast. I'm Jay. Today is Tuesday. It's January 25th, 2022. Lots to talk about today. Of course, the tragic news out of Baltimore we'll get to in just a moment. Um, I want to start off uh, this podcast with a little bit of housekeeping. Um, a few days ago, I talked about a department that was hiring a training officer. And I talked to to a, a senior member of, of their command staff and... Um, you know, we had just kind of thrown some ideas back and forth, and they did hire someone who had previous training experience uh, as a training officer, which I thought and think that it's always a home run move to do that, um, especially this was their first training officer, first dedicated training officer. They they had one, but he wasn't a dedicated training officer. He had uh, other duties. And so uh, congratulations to them. They went with someone who, who does have uh, previous training officer experience. Great idea in, in my view. Of course, yesterday uh, on the 24th, uh, tragedy in Baltimore as uh, three firefighters have died. One's in, in serious condition. And uh, I was sitting yesterday uh, having lunch with just a great group of firefighters. And uh, we're all enjoying our lunch, and a friend of mine across from me, he said, hey, how about the fire in Baltimore? And me and another friend just to my right, uh, we went straight to our phones and started looking it up naturally. And, uh, you know, I think all three of us had different stories. Uh, you know, one had perished, none had perished, three had perished. It, it was just... Uh, it was a, a mess trying to find out information. Uh, you know, I think your hope is always that none had perished and it was just a, a mistake. Uh, but in the end, uh, three firefighters have died in the line of duty there in Baltimore. Lieutenant Paul Butram, uh, firefighter Kelsey Sadler, she and firefighter Kenny Lakeo died along uh, with Lieutenant Butram. Uh, and this is not the first time that that, that that particular building had had issues. The same site, three firefighters were injured in 2015. And uh, Baltimore's no stranger to tragedy. They've, they've had loss of life uh, throughout their history, just like most departments who, uh, who are dealing with older buildings, vacant buildings in, in older cities uh, in the United States. Um, Baltimore is a place that I'm fond of uh, because uh, back when Firehouse Expo was in Baltimore, uh, just had, used to have great times up there um, going uh, to Stedman Station and uh, hanging out with those guys. Went to several others, rode a couple of times up there. Um, just a great bunch of people uh, doing, uh, doing a job that, that oftentimes uh, – it feels as though the world's against them. Uh, you know, they, they've had their budget issues. They've had 
loss of life. They've, uh, you name it, Baltimore uh, has gone through it. And uh, to hear the news, it's, it's, uh, it's shocking to say the least. Uh, but you know these things are going to happen, uh, especially you know when, when you're dealing with, with cities that have had economic downturns and uh, buildings are, are sometimes left uh, for years and years, decades and decades. Uh, when I was a fire marshal and when I was a firefighter, um, several places dealt with a lot of, of vacant buildings. And it is eye-opening, to say the least, when you uh, walk into to vacant structures and, and find the various uh, hazards that are already there. Uh, people will come in and, and steal wood, take out pipes, take out anything to, you know, pretty much take it somewhere else and sell it or, or use it on another project. When I was a fire marshal, I used to stop every day and look at vacant buildings, principally because I'd fought fire in them. And I wanted to see what was going on. Were there people in, the, in there? You know, uh, was there a lot of drug activity, needles and so on and so forth? Used to find it constantly. Uh, you know, what, what had been torn away? What had weather impacted? And, uh, you know, structures look, gravity, gravity, gravity works the same on structures that are sound and unsound. I recall a building official telling me one time I, I met him out at a building that uh, that I wanted to have condemned and actually torn down ASAP. And he looked at me and he said, this building is in acute disrepair. And I said, well, I said, whatever you want to call it, this building's got to go. But, you know, it's not that easy. In some cities, getting a building torn down that is in just, it's ready to fall. Um, it is a process. It is a process that takes far too long. Because, look, we think about vacant buildings and the hazards to firefighters. It's also a hazard to children. Um, I can't tell you how many times I pulled up to a vacant building and children were coming out, or, or I caught them inside, and they'd be like, hey, you got to go. Don't come back here. And uh, you can get crews out to board it up. This was my experience. We'd get crews out. We'd board up a particular structure. I'd go by the next day uh, just to check, checking on different vacant buildings. And uh, the boards were already torn off. It doesn't take long. And... When you're fighting, if I remember one time, I was sent to the roof of a of a uh, vacant structure was on fire, and uh, so up the ladder I go. I step onto the roof, and I'm like, "Huh, looks like this house has been vented," and it had. Come to find out, my crew, including me, had vented it about a year and a half before, and it stayed that way. So you know, that's the thing, you know. These are structures that need to be torn down. If they're not torn down, we need to have a way that no one is mistaken about what this structure is. Labeling, you know, vacant structure, you know, do not enter. Firefighters, do not go on roof. Do not search basement. And look, 
I'm, I'm a person who I support aggressive firefighting. In fact, I support very aggressive firefighting because to me it puts the fire out faster and we're saving lives. When it comes to vacant buildings, um, you, you have to, to proceed. You have to put the fire out. You have to see if there are victims. You also have to understand that we're not dealing with a house or, or a commercial structure that, that is sound. For the most part, these buildings are structurally just in bad condition. Um, and so you can have a collapse rapidly. And so, so vacant buildings, we have to treat them a little bit differently. And uh, in my opinion, we need to mark them for what they are. And if building owners, the people who own the property, if they don't like it, tough. There has to be a way that, that we can mark these. And, uh, I mean, obviously now, um, with the advent of such advanced technology, at least up to this point, um, there are ways, obviously, that things pop up and say, hey, this is a bad building. But we also need people, citizens, to understand. If you go in these structures... You know, and I get it. If you're cold, you're homeless, you're cold, you're looking for heat. You're looking for shelter. Totally get it. Um, but we have to do a better job of making these buildings as secure as possible or tearing them down rapidly. And uh, it is, it's, we have far too many tragedies when it comes to uh, vacant buildings and, and unstable buildings. And the people in Baltimore this morning can attest to that. Again, a tragedy for that department. And uh, just a horrific day for them. Uh, my condolences go out to firefighters in Baltimore, to the family members of Paul Boutram, Kelsey Sadler, Kenny Lakeo. And uh, to the brothers and sisters there in Baltimore, Maryland. When, uh, I guess it was a few weeks ago, um, started talking about some issues in Middle Tennessee, uh, in and around the, or not in, but around the Nashville area. And I also talked about uh, departments hiring. And um, I've had a number of comments, uh, people asking me, hey, you know, what's the link to, to departments there that are hiring? Uh, in particular, somebody asked me about Mount Juliet, Tennessee. Mount Juliet is uh, in Wilson County and just east of Nashville. And uh, uh, they are hiring. Uh, someone said, could you give me a little bit more background? Well, I'm going to do it, but then I'm going to give you the address, uh, the web address, and then you can do your own research there, too. And it is Mount Juliet dash tn dot gov that's m t j u l i e t dash tn dot gov or go to a search engine and type in mount juliet fire department that will bring you up uh and and give you uh great access you can look at at all of the information that they have available um they are hiring as i said and uh, a little bit of background on the department. It is a newer department. Um, I think it's it's hasn't even been around 10 years, I don't think. Uh, they haven't celebrated their 10th anniversary yet. 
Um, and uh, fire protection was provided by Wilson County prior to that. Uh, the uh, Mount Juliet Fire Department uh, was formed, and, and they've been in operation since. Um, right now, they're operating out of two stations, uh, and uh, they have a third that is under construction and should be finished, uh, I guess, within four or five months, maybe. Um, and so there'll be additional hiring for that as well. I mean, you have to staff it, so there, there's got to be more hiring on the way. Uh, you know, they, they uh, run a significant number of EMS calls, obviously, assist EMS. Um, they have uh, a squad, Squad 103, which is a, a uh, squad pumper, uh, like most of us are used to. Uh, then they have an Engine 104, which operates out of Station 1. They also have QRs, quick response, two QRs, quick response, uh, that uh, go on medical calls with two people. Um, they have uh, uh, a platform, and they have a stick, uh, so, so two aerial units, aerial devices, and uh, one out of Station 1 and, and one out of Station 3. The new station is going to be Station 2, and... Uh, I'm pretty sure they'll have an engine, and they'll probably put one of the ladders out there. Uh, in fact, I would bet on it. They also operate a brush truck. They have a mini pumper, uh, which is new. It's a new mini pumper. Uh, seats, I believe, four. And uh, most of their equipment is Pierce. Uh, the engine, the squad, the two aero devices are Pierce. Uh, the mini pumper, which they call Rescue 3, actually, I believe it's an Alexis, and um, I don't remember what the brush truck is. They also operate an, an ERT, um, which uh, basically has uh, the shift commander in it, and uh, it's, a, it's a pickup truck. I believe it's a Ford. Um, they have a deputy chief and a fire chief, and uh, uh, so, yeah, if you are, uh, if you're interested in Middle Tennessee, um and Nashville, I mean, I got to tell you, um, if you've not been to Nashville in a long time, you've not been to Nashville. I remember Nashville coming through here, uh, or through, through, through there, actually, many years ago, 20, 25 years ago, 30 years ago. Uh, and, I mean, Nashville was a nice city. It was country music. And uh, you had the Ryman, the Grand Ole Opry, um, you know. But, but it was a sleep for, for a, a middle-sized big city. It, it was, uh, it was sleepy. <laughs> it don't sleep now. Um, you have the Tennessee Titans, you have, uh, the Nashville Predators, NHL, just an awesome experience at Bridgestone. Uh, Broadway's a lot of fun. Uh, there's just something always going on. They have AAA baseball, probably going to be getting a major league baseball team very soon. Um, they have the, uh, a new, uh, if soccer's your thing, they have a new MLS team in town. They have the largest, uh, soccer built for soccer stadium only, uh, I think in North America. Um, there's just lots to do and it's not just sports, uh, restaurants, all sorts of things. Um, and, uh, there's always something to do in the areas around it from, from, uh, Brentwood to Franklin. Murfreesboro, Mount Juliet, Lebanon, Lebanon. Uh, 
up in Sumner County. There's there's just a lot of things to do in and around the area. So if you are interested in it, again, let me give that address one more time uh, for Mount Juliet, mtjuliet-tn.gov. They're hiring. And uh, so good luck with that. In addition, uh, Fairfax, Virginia is hiring. Uh, had a, a guy I know uh, spent a long time there, and uh, they're also hiring. Uh, Fairfax, uh, Virginia. And you can find their hiring information at, believe it or not, Fairfax, Virginia. Go to Google or whatever your search engine in search engine is. Type it in, and you can go there. Um, uh, nice department there. Access to a lot of different stuff. And uh, so again, if you're looking, lots of departments are hiring. Lots of departments are getting tons of applications. There is no shortage of firefighter applicants. Wherein the departments, cities, towns, counties, states, they make it attractive for people who want to be firefighters. You know, if, if, uh, if you're telling applicants, hey, you know what, come on in, we're paying low wages, bad morale, warm beer, you name it, it it's not going to happen. You're not going to get a lot of people. Um, and you shouldn't. Um, just being blunt, you shouldn't. If you can't pay firefighters what they're worth, um, if you're not willing to, you shouldn't get anything. And pretty much that's the way it goes in any business, in any government agency, in anything. The people who offer more typically get more and better candidates. That's the way life is. We don't have to like it, but it's the way it is. Living 40 years in the past might be fun sometimes, but it catches up. And... Uh, you know, you want to swim in the pool? Well, going to get wet. You want to open open a nice new restaurant? You better serve good food. You have to. Lots of competition out there. Lots and lots of competition. Finally today, I um, had an interesting conversation with a, uh, a person pretty high up. In fact, very high up in a major fire apparatus manufacturer, I had sent uh, an email to, to inquire about uh, uh, a safety item or a safety device on fire apparatus. And, and I sent it to, I, I guess, their research and development. That's not what they call it. But I sent it to them and ended up getting a very senior person. We exchanged some emails, and then we, he's like, hey, why don't we talk on the phone? So we did. I will say this. I think that over the next, I don't know, three to five years, we're going to see uh, some interesting things with respect to apparatus. Um, and I, you can say that about any three to five year period. But uh, just having talked to this person, I, I think there's going to be uh, some interesting things that are offered. And I believe that uh, we're only going to get better when it comes to aerial devices. I, I think the, the, just the change over the last 20 years in aerial devices and the ability to set them up much faster with fewer uh, people having to, having to go around and do a setup, you know, it, it's, a, it's just the safety factors, um, 
the ruggedness of apparatus. Uh, you know, I, I don't think there'll ever be apparatus that's as rugged as, as the Macs were. Uh, those things literally, uh, you know, skin would fall off of them. They kept chugging. Um, but, uh, you know, they do get more expensive. They do. And everything gets more expensive. Why shouldn't fire apparatus, right? Uh, fire departments have to understand something. And this was part of the conversation. Um, you can buy cheap. You can save money on the front end. And you're going to spend a lot more on the back end. Every single time. You go cheap. You want to go with something cheap. Uh, certainly you're right. But you're going to be buying more and more apparatus. The key to any fire apparatus purchase, any, whether it's cheap, expensive, whatever it is, is taking care of them. Taking care of apparatus means making sure that uh, there's preventative maintenance. That's, that's a necessity. It's making sure that the fire apparatus are cared for, that, that uh, you know, everything from the compartments, obviously to the pumps, uh, to the interior, that they're fairly clean or clean, and that uh, there's an understanding that it's, it's like your body. You go and take a shower, you go in for checkups, apparatus need the same thing. Apparatus are tools. I don't believe that every piece of apparatus needs to be a parade piece. I don't believe that at all. But I do believe that when things aren't working, they need to be corrected. To me, that's just common sense. And uh, apparatus manufacturers and the people who repair them, when they get a rig, they immediately know whether it's being taken care of or not. They do. Um, I can walk in to any fire department. Um, now I've been in the fire departments where the apparatus, they, they don't have an hour's downtime. I mean, they don't. They're, they're constantly running. They may not be squeaky clean, but you can tell that the apparatus is taken care of. You see, because you can take a turd and polish it, and you're going to find people who go, wow, that's a really pretty turd. But the bottom line is, is in busy departments where they're running constantly, they may not shine, but they're taken care of. And you can tell it. You can tell it when you open valves. You can tell it when you... Uh, when you're riding on them, you can tell that, yes, it's a tool. Uh, it's not a parade piece. We work it. That's the way it goes, but we also take care of it. It's an investment for a city or town, county, state, whatever. It is. It's an investment. And just like any investment, you're going to have to spend money to take care of it. That's the way it goes. Um, they don't, you, know, you don't get a 20-year lifespan out of a piece of apparatus just because it's been delivered. That's not the way it works. It has to be effort put in. And it's got to be effort by everybody. Um, it has to be an effort, and there have to be people who, are, who buy in on it and say, you know what, this is my responsibility. This is what I'm going to do. It's an awesome thing, I think, uh, to get new apparatus. Um, but one of the things that I've always enjoyed, no matter where I've gone, is I like to look at the old war horses. It's the apparatus that have, have, uh, have been through the grind 
And uh, they're still out there and they're still running. They're still doing their job. And it's indicative of a department that understands its responsibilities. You can tell a lot by looking at a station, looking at a crew when they're training or on the scene, um, and looking at apparatus and tools. You can tell a lot just looking at them. That's going to do it for today. Until next time, please stay safe.